The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. All right. Uh, Joe Biden spoke just a short time ago. You'll hear that coming up. It was literally less than uh, the news conference was less than two minutes. We'll, we'll get to that coming up. But right now, when we looked at the polling numbers going into the election, um, a lot of these polls had Biden leading Trump by an average of 10 points and some smaller margins in swing states. Uh, those large those leads, you know, pretty much evaporated on election night and the outcome right now as you know currently hinging on very narrow margins i mean the the day of that uh those numbers shrunk a little bit more from about 10 to maybe about eight or seven percent in in a in a lot of in a lot of polling now pollsters had warned ahead of time that quote shy trump voters were staying quiet for fear of being abused and experts have claimed that a barrage of abuse directed at trump voters was keeping them quiet so what are the difficulties and and risks of polling elections in the United States, particularly in the era of Donald Trump? Well, we thought we'd dial up Mario Canseco, the president of Research Co. Mario, welcome back to the show. It's great to be here. Mario, Thanks for having me. Give me an idea how many polls your company would do in any given year. Oh, wow. Uh, only voting or everything that is market research? I, I, I think I want a little bit of both on on, okay. on, on everything and then on, on, poll, on, on elections, on politics. I'd say if we count everything that we do as far as uh, moments in which you contact people. So, you know, sometimes you might ask several questions to a group of residents and then use those findings differently. Maybe we'll ask him about two or three different issues and use them uh, differently. But as far as contacting people, uh, I'd say probably around 140 to 150 times a year. 140 to 150 times a year. When it comes to something like the American election or even uh, the Canadian election, how many polls would you do during the course of a campaign? And I get that the campaign in the U.S. is much longer than, let's say, in Canada. But what would you what would you do on, on that on that end? Well, usually when it's uh, when it's something Canadian, what we do is uh, maybe do a measurement every couple of months or maybe every three months, unless something drastic happens that you want to check. Yeah, I'm not a big believer in doing something every single month. The U.S. <laughs> election is different. Uh, we started tracking this the moment uh, Joe Biden became the de facto nominee back in April, and we did a survey every month. Uh, but it's different. It's a larger campaign. There's so many yeah. intricacies as well because of COVID-19. Uh, but, I mean, usually what I like to do specifically is uh, maybe do one at the start of the campaign because our own campaigns here in Canada are shorter, maybe one in the middle and one right at the end to be, make sure that you catch the, those late breakers who decide who they're going to be voting for early, late on. So that's the strategy that we've used here at Research Co for the past couple of years. Okay, so Mario, when it came to the U.S. election, if you did one at the start when Joe Biden, you know, as you mentioned in, in April, one in the middle and then one closer to uh, election day, those numbers, um, when it came to the possibility of which man would become president, how did they change? Well, we didn't see a lot of change in the final moments. I think that is also quite interesting about this election. There was a, 
a very decided electorate. You know, we started to check uh, the number of undecideds and the number of late changers three months ago, and we only had about six or seven percent who were undecided. And those who said they could change their mind and vote for a different candidate were also fairly low. Mm -hmm. uh, when I did the election of 2012, uh, we had more people who thought about voting for Mitt Romney and were going to vote ultimately or, or shifted uh, towards voting for Barack Obama. Uh, similar situation back in 2016. So at, at the national level, this election was challenging because we didn't see a lot of movement. We saw that Biden will get more than half of the vote, and he will. Uh, we still have to count all of the votes uh, from California, Illinois, and New York, heavily populated areas where there's a trend already, and they're essentially saying to their poll workers, come back tomorrow and we'll do this piece by piece. We won't have a final number until probably later this month or maybe early December. So at the national level, the surveys are not wrong. It's just there's so many votes to be counted in areas that have already been called by one of the networks or many of them. Uh, but we still have to count those votes. And that is going to pass the lead that Joe Biden has right now over Donald Trump at the national level. So, Mario, what what were the final numbers going into Election Day? What did Research Co. come up with as far as, uh, you know, how um, the split was? Uh, our final poll uh, was very similar to everything that we've done over the past couple of months. We had Biden at 53 percent. Right now he's at 51, and we still have to uh, count a lot of ballots uh, from the states that haven't been counted yet. Uh, Trump was at 44. He's probably going to get to about 46, so that okay. is within the margin of error. Uh, lower level of support for the minor candidates. Joe Jorgensen from the Libertarian Party is at 1 percent. That's exactly where we had her. And if you were votes for the Green Party as well, you know, they might be able to break to 0 0.5, and we had them at 1. So the numbers from a statistical standpoint uh, definitely have been good. We just need to continue counting those votes that are still outstanding, and the numbers are going to match what we predicted. So, you know, yeah, it, it's, it's it, I, I guess part of it is, is that a lot of people look at that and go, okay, if you go Biden 53%, Trump 44%, it looks, it looks, like on paper that it's a that it's a given for Joe Biden and it's yeah. not I mean that's oh, the no. thing. it's not at all so <laughs> no. people are asking and people ask Mario and you probably get it all the time it's like well, what, what the hell were you guys do, doing like what what went wrong well I don't think anything went wrong necessarily you know there's a situation here that has to do with two factors one of them is interpreting the margin of error properly you know mm. if you have a survey in Florida that is 50% for uh, Biden and 48% for Trump, and your margin of error is 3%, that could very easily be mathematically 51% for Trump and 47% for Biden. Mm. It's the kind of fluctuation that happens a lot, and it's more noticeable, particularly for Canadians, when you're looking at an election in the States where you have two very dominant parties. Here what we have is a fluctuation where usually in a federal election you'll have five or six parties that are running candidates, so your fluctuations are not going to be that high from one party to another. So you look at something like that, and again, the other issue that I think is happening is all of the poll aggregators are forgetting to mention that the data they get from us has a margin of error. You can put all of that together in an Excel spreadsheet, come out with a number, but it still has a margin of error. So if you have one of the aggregators saying, 
Florida 52%, it could be 55, it could be 49. People need to know that. So so what then should we do with those numbers? Should we pay it? And again, I, I get that this is your job, Mario, but should we be, should we, should we be paying attention to these at all? How, how, how do we use polling numbers? How should people use polling numbers? Well, I think there's a couple of issues uh, that seem to be forgotten. There's a lot of information related not only to the voting intention numbers, but to the actual uh, movement of the race. You know, we just had elections in Saskatchewan and in British Columbia, and part of the exercise here was taking a look at the leaders of the parties, figuring out if uh, the residents are happy with the way COVID-19 has been handled. What are the issues that you care about? That is an, a very important component to understand how the electorate might move. Unfortunately, we have become obsessed with the horse race, and that's not a good situation. You know, I really enjoy doing political polling and doing electoral polling. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing something in the United States. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's also important to remember that the numbers have a margin. What we're doing here is having ranges, uh, which tell you where the votes would fall, uh, but also looking into specific aspects of the race, and, mm. and that is uh, crucial. You know, we, we can't just be doing overnight polls looking into voting intention because the fluctuations are crazy particularly in a place like canada where you're speaking to 10 atlantic canadians and if they move parties then that's a fluctuation of 17 points you know it, it's it's definitely statistical but it's also paying attention to some of the other intricacies of the race and and from what i can tell right now there's only been one state in the united states uh, where the situation was definitely not what people expected and it's florida mm -hmm. i didn't poll in florida I polled in Wisconsin and Michigan, Pennsylvania. I started to get some of those messages uh, on Tuesday night saying, you blew it. And I said, when you wake up tomorrow, it's going to be blue. And it was. You know, you just have to wait for all the ballots yeah. to be counted. Florida is, uh, it, it was a really interesting state, right? Um, and I think what we've heard is that the, the Latino community, especially in, in Miami-Dade uh, County, really, uh, you know, changed things up there. Well, I have uh, done some polling in Florida before. I did the uh, gubernatorial race back in 2018. Uh, that's a good example of how the margin of error works. You know, we had the Democratic candidate ahead by a point, and it ended up being almost a perfect 50-50 split uh, that was won by the Republican candidate. Is that a blown call? Well, arithmetically, definitely not. Uh, what happens in Florida is it's a very different Hispanic community than the one you have in other parts of the country. Yeah. Uh, you go to the southern parts of Texas, you go to New Mexico, you go to Arizona. It's mostly Central Americans and Mexicans who are definitely more liberal. You go to Florida and it's mostly Cubans and Venezuelans who are more conservative. Yeah. So there's no singular Hispanic Latino vote uh, block anymore depending on the state where you live, you're going to move Republican or Democrat. And Mario, did, did I hear you say that you did some polling in Pennsylvania this year? Yes. All yes, right, so let's talk about that because you, we know that, that we're sitting and, and waiting to see what's going to happen in, in Pennsylvania. Um, it's incredibly close right now. What did your polling say about Pennsylvania? Well, we had uh, an advantage uh, for Joe Biden, which is definitely different from what we saw the last time around. You know, this is a state... Uh, that was won uh, by Donald Trump by just 44,000 votes the last time around. So it ended 48-48. Uh, 
uh, if you're looking at the actual voting percentages, we have uh, Biden ahead by six points. If, when, you, when you factor in the margin of error, it's a statistical tie. Yes. But we definitely believed uh, that Joe Biden was going to pull through, partly because of the intricacies of this campaign, because of the mail-in ballots. You yes. know, similar to what we saw here in British Columbia, where 600,000 people voted by mail, and we haven't counted those ballots. We're going to count them tomorrow uh, for an election that was held on October 24th. This is what is going on right now. It's not that the votes are coming out of nowhere. They have decisions, and they decided that they wanted to count these votes after they counted the election they vote. And this is why Donald Trump's lead is sinking. And one of the reasons for the Republicans to be as nervous as they are, and maybe not as buoyant as they were on Tuesday night. Mario Canseco is the president of Research Co. Joining me this afternoon. Mario, how difficult is it to craft a question when it comes to a poll to get an answer that will be useful, um, that that will have impact, that will connect with someone. First off, someone wants to answer it, but that that is that is usable. How how do you come up with those questions? Well, I think one of the reasons, and this is one of the most uh, uh, rewarding parts of the of the business in a way, you know, figuring out a way to ask a question that is going to resemble reality. You know, we unfortunately we have a lot of do-it-yourself polling out there where anybody can ask whatever they want because uh, the, the, the actual cost of a sample uh, is more attainable now than it's ever been because of online data collection. Uh, what I try to do all the time, whether it's for something that I'm curious about sociologically, something for our releases uh, to figure out who people will vote for, or even for my clients, is to ask a question that is actually going to make sense. Uh, uh, there are some posters out there who don't allow people to be undecided, and that is absolutely terrible. You know, you can't force somebody into a couple of buckets just because you want to, because your results are not going to resemble the entire population. Uh, if you were to ask somebody if they want to be punched in the face or kicked in the knees, and they have to answer, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that 50% of us want to get punched in the face. <laughs> you know, it was... Um it was interesting when I was looking at uh, some forecasts as far as the Electoral College votes when it came for each candidate, um, someone totally mussed up on that one. And it was, um, I think it's someone out of the States, but the suggesting that uh, Biden would end up with something like 360 Electoral <laughs> College votes compared to Trump's like 180. And when you look at that and go, OK, you really screwed that one up. I mean, you know, I just wonder sometimes how things get so skewed. And I think that's on a lot of people's minds. It's problematic. And I think it has a lot to do with cherry picking. Uh, there is a way to look at the polls in Texas, in Florida, in North Carolina, and say, oh, Biden's got this in the back, 152 votes in the Electoral College. It's not that simple. Mm. Mario, uh, thank you for the conversation today. I always enjoy our chats. Uh, let's do it again sometime soon. Thank you for this. My pleasure. Anytime. Yeah, you betcha. Mario Canseco joining us this afternoon, the president of Research Co. Uh, again, uh, I know it's been harder and harder. I think at, I think at one point, right, Chadville, I think at one point we would look at, at polling and go, okay, there you go. I mean, uh, and, and, and often it seemed like they would nail it a little bit more. Uh, the last couple of um, elections, uh, some of them here in, in Canada, some of them in, in, in provinces, some of them in the states. I mean, there has been dramatic swings. But when he when he says, you know, that they had Biden at 53 percent, Trump at 44 percent, but if the margin of error is 6 percent, you know, how does that work out? It kind of all just fits in there, doesn't it? Interesting stuff. Anyway, take it for what it's worth. I know some people... Love polls. Some people turn their nose up at them. 
Um, I just always am uh, fascinated to, to hear what I believe, but now take with a grain of salt, how other Canadians are, are feeling on some topics.